Uh, welcome, everybody. Great to see you here. I'm, I'm so glad that you're here. We're in week number three of a series called You Asked For It. Last fall, you might remember, we surveyed all of you and uh, invited you to submit questions. We said, if you could ask God any question, what would you ask him? And we took the four most commonly asked questions and we're addressing one each weekend. And this is number two, okay? The second most popular question, you had lots and lots of questions about heaven and what heaven is going to be like. And so here's how I want to get started. I want you to imagine that you're going shopping at the mall, all right? You're over at the mall shopping, and you see this display over to the side, and there's this picture of this tropical location. You walk over, and you take a look at it, and you realize that they're advertising a two-week all-expense-paid trip to uh, Tahiti if you enter your name, and your name gets drawn. And so you look at these pictures, and it looks awesome. It looks beautiful. It looks relaxing. I mean, the blue water looks crystal clear. There's beach volleyball. There's sailing and snorkeling. And then there's also pictures of what you're going to eat on this all-expense-paid trip. And and there's a picture of a surf and turf, and your mouth just begins to, to water. And for a moment, you forget about the stress in your life, and you forget about the chaos in your life, and you think about what, what you would do and, and where you would go in Tahiti, and for just a moment, you feel better, a little better, and you feel peace. And you know, that's how the Bible describes heaven. It, 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 it talks about heaven as this place that's very, very different than where we live. There's, there's no stress, there's no worry, there's no pressure, there's no pain, there's no grief, there's no crying. There's no sadness. Revelation chapter 21 says none of those things are going to be there. And, and so the Apostle Paul tells us in Colossians, he says, set your minds on things above. In other words, think about heaven because whatever troubles you're facing in your life, it, it doesn't compare to the glory that will be yours one day in heaven. This life is, is, is temporary. It's just a moment. And then you go to heaven. And whatever you went through, I mean, it just doesn't compare to how good Heaven is going to be. So think about these things. Think about heaven. All right, so let's imagine you fill out that piece of paper at the mall and, and you submit your name and, you know, a month goes by, you forget about it because you never win these things, right? And then a guy calls you and he says, we had the drawing for the trip to Tahiti and you won the prize. Yeah, and you just feel ecstatic because, you, I mean, you forgot about it and now you won uh, the prize. But then he continues and he begins to tell you about the fine print, okay, that maybe you didn't get a chance to read while you were at the mall. And he says, yeah, it's an all-expense-paid trip, but it's only for one person. Just one person, no, no family, no friends. You go by yourself. And I know what some of you are thinking. Now we're talking vacation. I don't have to take my spouse. I go alone. And, you know, maybe you're that way, but, you know, for many of us, if it's just one, if you go by yourself, right, you know, if you're all alone, do you even, you know, want to go? Now, don't answer that out loud, <laughs> okay? Honestly, I wouldn't want to go uh, away for, for two weeks. And I'm not just saying that because my wife wouldn't allow me to go, all right? As beautiful as it is, I wouldn't want to go on a vacation by myself for two weeks. And here's my point. You know, when we talk about heaven, it's important not just to think about, you know, what it looks like and, and what we're going to do there. It's important to think about who is going to be there because that's what makes heaven, heaven. I found it interesting that almost all of the questions that you submitted about heaven had to do with, with relationships in heaven. For, some, for example, somebody asked this question, after we die, do we, do we go to heaven immediately? Or I, I think what they're getting at, is there, is there a waiting period? Some people think there's this delay 
where you spend time alone, you know, waiting for Jesus to come back. But I don't find any biblical support for soul sleep or time delay or, or purgatory or a state of, of limbo. You know, maybe you remember what Jesus said to one of the thieves on the cross next to him. He said, today you'll be with me in paradise. Not someday, you know, not a year from now. Jesus said, today. And so I take it that when we die, we immediately go to heaven to be with Jesus and, and other people that have gone ahead of us. When we close our eyes in this life for the last time, they open in the next life in heaven with Jesus. And I hope that brings you some peace and some comfort. And you know what? That's why I think it's important that we talk about heaven and think about heaven because what you think about heaven will impact your life right now. What you think about heaven is going to impact your joy right now. What you think about heaven is going to impact your peace right now. What you think about heaven impacts your relationships and your mission in life right now. And so to help us really uh, think about uh, heaven, I, ca I came across this idea. I want, you to, I want you to picture a dinner table in heaven. We got one up on stage here just to kind of get you to use your imagination and think about a dinner table in heaven because we're going to eat in heaven. In Revelation 20, Revelation chapter 19, it talks about the wedding supper of the lamb. And we also know that Jesus ate in his resurrected body. And I don't know about you, but one of my favorite things uh, to do is to sit around a table with people that I love and, and care about and enjoy a meal together. And one day in heaven, we're going to have the opportunity uh, to do that. So I want you to think about a dinner table in heaven. And who would, you, who would you invite to your dinner table? Who would you save a seat for? And uh, I thought about my list. And I want to tell you about some of the people that have already gone ahead to heaven that I would invite to uh, sit down and eat dinner with me in heaven. And I'll stop along the way. And I'll also answer some more of your questions that you submitted about heaven. But, you know, the first decision that you've got to make is uh, what are you going to eat at your dinner in uh, heaven? And here at my table, we're going to be having some pizza, all right? Because the pizza in heaven is, is awesome, okay? And it's fat-free, all right? That's the way it works. No calories in that whatsoever. And so first thing you need to decide is what are you going to eat at your table in heaven? And then who are you going to share this meal with at your table? Now, for me, uh, next to my seat here, uh, the next two seats are going to be my mom and my dad. And uh, let me tell you about my dad uh, first. My dad passed away 21 years ago from cancer. And uh, I, I miss him. I think about him a lot. But I take uh, great comfort knowing that he is in heaven. And what I think my dad probably enjoys, really enjoys about heaven, something that I think he really enjoys about heaven is that there are many things uh, to do. My dad loved to work and, and fix things and build things. He loved to work on things. He loved to work on cars. I remember, I'll never forget this, when I was in college, I didn't have a car. And so here's what my dad did. He, he went and he, and he bought a car. And uh, it was just all rusted out. It was uh, an AMC. Remember those? They would rust. <laughs> it, was, it was an AMC Hornet AMX, which was really a cool car when it was new. But this thing was just a rust bucket. It was, it was just kind of a, a junker. But my dad totally fixed it, went over the whole car and fixed it. And, and get this, he, he took a body shop class. He never worked on auto uh, car bodies before. He took, a, he took a class in the evenings. And he learned how to do it. And he completely restored this car. Uh, and it looked brand new. 
and he gave it to me in college. And uh, that's just the kind of guy that he was, just very kind and, and generous. And I was amazed by his ability to fix things. My dad loved to do work, and I know that he's using his abilities in, in heaven. And, and here's why I bring this up, because I think for many of us, the picture we have of heaven is not that attractive. You know, check out this Far Side our cartoon. I think this is the way a lot of people think of heaven. You know, the guy says, I wish I'd have brought a magazine. Yeah, you know, we picture cloud sitting, right? Heart playing, standing around, singing songs. We, we picture heaven being like this, you know, really, really long church service. And, you know, I like church services, but after a billion years, it might get boring. And, you know, we end up, uh, you know, fearing hell, I think, more than we are really attracted to heaven. But look at what it says here in Revelation 22, 3. It says, the lamb will be in the city and his servants will serve him in heaven. In other words, heaven is not just this place of delightful rest. There's going to be activities. There's going to be opportunities to serve in heaven. We're going to have purpose and meaningful tasks to do that are going to fit us and, and fulfill us. You know, maybe, maybe you're going to do some of the same things that you do, you know, right now in your work. Or maybe some of the things that maybe some of you, what you're doing right now is not going to be needed in heaven. For example, since there's no death, right, in heaven, there's not going to be any funeral directors. And since there's no decay, uh, there's not going to be any dentist in heaven. Now, you know, they'll be there. They'll be uh, doing something else, probably jackhammering or, you know, something like that. But my point is that we'll be productive in ways that satisfy us and fulfill us. And so I know my dad is, is using his abilities and he's tackling projects that just thrill him. And I can't wait to sit down and, and have dinner with him and hear all about it. And then uh, next to my dad, right next to my dad, that seat is for my mom. And uh, some of you may remember my mom. She was part of River Glen until she passed away in 2010. She, she loved this church and she loved greeting people in the lobby. And when my mom was younger, she loved to invite people over to her home. And she was very hospitable. She loved to cook and, and serve meals. She uh, was Armenian, and she loved to cook and serve Armenian food. But then later in her life, uh, her, her health declined, and that limited her. She developed diabetes and problems with her heart, lungs, and circulation, and, and with her memory. And so I can't wait you know, to sit down with my mom here. And there's no wheelchair, uh, no insulin, no oxygen tank, and her memory is clear. Now, several people ask questions that, that, that come up with my mom and dad here at the uh, table, like this one. In heaven, will we remember our relationships on earth? We're gonna remember our relationships on earth because some people say no. They say no, and they point to verses like this one here in Isaiah chapter 65. Verse 17, where God says, see, I will create new heavens and a new earth. Look at this. The former things will not be remembered, nor will they come to mind. Some people believe that when you go to heaven, the first thing that, one of the first things that happens is you have like this memory swipe. And everything that you remember about earth is gone and forgotten. But I want you to take a look at the context here. Let's look at the previous verse. Verse 16 says, for the past, what? Troubles will be forgotten and hidden from my eyes. See, I believe in heaven, we're not gonna remember our troubles on earth. We'll somehow have the ability to not think about, you know, the sin and the pain and the sadness from our lives, but we will remember the good things, the things of God. Here's another question that uh, uh, somebody asked. Will we retain our personal identity 
will we retain our earthly uh, identity? In other words, you know, am I going to know my mom and dad in heaven? Or, 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 am I going to recognize them? Are they going to recognize me? Will the people, will, will, will we recognize the, the people in heaven that meant so much uh, to us here on earth? And there are a lot of people that would say, no, you know, we're these disembodied spirits, you know, in heaven. And we just kind of float around without any personal identity. But scripture indicates that we retain our personal identity and we recognize one another just like the disciples recognized Jesus after he resurrected from the dead. In Paul's letter uh, to the uh, Thessalonians, he tells them how much he loves them and cares about them and misses them, but he knows he's never going to get the chance to see them again on this earth. But look at how he encourages them. He says, we will be with the Lord forever. And then he says, therefore, encourage one another with these words. So, you know, Paul looks forward to reuniting forever in heaven with his friends from Thessalonica because, because he knows our relationships in heaven they just pick right up where they left off on earth. And so I believe I'll recognize my mom and dad as mom and dad. Here's another question that people ask. Can the people in heaven see us right now? You know, can, can my mom and dad see me right now? Can your loved ones in heaven see you right now? Now, I don't think the Bible directly answers that question, but in several places it seems to imply that the answer is yes. For example, Hebrews chapter 11 describes this list of Old Testament uh, characters and heroes who gave their lives as, as uh, lived as martyrs for their faith. And then chapter 12 begins this way. Therefore, since we're surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles and let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us. In other words, you know, we live our lives before this great cloud of witnesses in heaven. It's like this life is a race, okay? We're running this race, and these people in heaven are packing the stands, and they're cheering for us, and they're applauding us, and they're encouraging us, and they love it when we make the right decision. And the implication is that they're conscious and aware uh, of what's happening today on, on earth. Let me show you another passage. This one's from Luke chapter 15, beginning in verse seven, 7, where Jesus explains how God loves and God pursues every lost person. He says, there will be more rejoicing in heaven over one sinner who repents than over 99 righteous persons who do not need to repent. Jesus says they throw a party in heaven. It's a big celebration in heaven every time a person finds their way back to God. Now, I always thought it was the angels who rejoiced in heaven. But look at what Jesus says. I tell you, there is rejoicing in the presence of the angels of God over one sinner who re re repents. Notice, it doesn't say the angels rejoice. I mean, they may. It says there's rejoicing in the presence of the angels. So who does the rejoicing? You know, I wonder if it's the people who've gone before us to heaven. They watch us and they feel so excited when we make decisions to honor God. They rejoice. They celebrate when we place our, our faith and our trust in, in him. Here, here's why I think this is important, why this teaching is important. Knowing that the people in heaven might be able to see me, okay, knowing that my mom and dad might be able to see me right now, that's a motivator for me to do my best. And maybe you have a loved one in heaven, and this teaching can be a motivator in your life uh, too. And then uh, the next seat over, uh, I'm going to invite, uh, I'm going to use this one for one of my Bible heroes. You know, what Bible hero would you invite to your uh, dinner table? Maybe, maybe David or Joseph or, or Moses. 
In Matthew chapter 8, Jesus says that we'll be able to have, have dinner with Abraham or Isaac or Jacob. I mean, there's so many uh, to choose from. It's hard to pick one, isn't it? You know, you know who I think I would pick? I think it'd be just fascinating to sit down with Mary, the mother of, of Jesus. Wouldn't that, be, wouldn't that be interesting? Ask Mary, you know, what was Jesus like as a child? You know, what was Jesus like growing up? Uh, you know, tell me about Jesus as a child. Wouldn't that be, wouldn't that be fun? You know, I'd love to sit down uh, with Adam and Eve and uh, have a conversation with Adam and Eve, ask them some questions. I'd like to ask Adam, you know, how difficult it was. How did he come up with, uh, you know, romantic things to say to Eve? I think that was probably difficult uh, for him. I mean, he could say, you're the most beautiful woman in the world. I mean, it'd be true. It just wouldn't be romantic. I mean, she's also the ugliest woman in the world, right? I mean, he could say, you know, you were made for me. I mean, it's true, just not very uh, romantic. I'm sure that was probably uh, difficult for him. I'd love to ask uh, Adam and Eve to, you know, tell me the story the first time that they met. Who would you choose to put in that seat? You know, maybe it's not a Bible hero. Maybe it's a Christian from history that you read about and it just inspired you. You know, wouldn't it be great to sit down with Helen Keller or to go on a hike with C.S. Lewis or shoot baskets with Pete Maravich, or just hang out with Johnny Cash? Wouldn't it be great to get to know them as, as friends? Brings up this question, how will we know who people are in heaven? You know, how will we recognize them if we never met them on earth? You know, some people feel nervous that heaven's going to be full of all these people, and, you know, they're not going to know, you know, you know who, they, who they are. Well, one of the great things I think about heaven is that we're just supernaturally going to know everybody like family. You know, we read about, in scripture about Jesus on the Mount of, tra of Transfiguration, and the disciples see him, and they know who he's with, okay? They know that it's Moses and Elijah, even though they had never met Moses and Elijah uh, before. Now, how do they know? How do they know that? I don't think they introduced themselves. I don't think they wore a name tag, you know, hi, my name is, is Elijah. It says they, they saw from a distance, and they supernaturally, they knew that it was Moses and Elijah. And in heaven, we're going to know people and we're going to be known in a way that we never knew before here on earth. And we'll supernaturally know people that we never met before. And I'm looking forward uh, to that. This next chair here is for a, a friend of mine uh, named Lowell Black. Uh, Lowell and I uh, went to college together in Lincoln, Illinois. Lowell lived across the hall. I remember I met Lowell first day when I'm moving in as a freshman. I'm all nervous and he was uh, an upperclassman. He was actually in graduate school, and uh, he reached out to me and took me under his wing. He was the RA in our, in our hallway, and um, I'm not sure I'd be here if it wasn't for Lowell and his, his friendship. Anytime I had a problem, he was always somebody that, you know, I could talk to. And then after college, our friendship continued to grow. We ended up in churches nearby, and we would do youth ministry events together. We spoke at each other's churches. But then one day, I, I received this phone call that uh, Lowell had a heart attack. And uh, he passed away and left behind his wife and young children, which was very difficult. And you know what? It also cut short our friendship together. I'm sure that we would have had many more memories together. And I'm looking forward to being reunited one day in, in heaven. You know, to be honest, I can think of a, of a handful of people, maybe four or five people in my life that I could just really, truly, you know, be myself around. And I think that's true probably for, for many of us. But in heaven, every relationship's gonna be that way. We'll have perfect friendships in heaven. There's gonna be no jealousy, no competition, no cliques. 
no, uh, no feeling left out. And I know for many people, this world has been a lonely place. And, and maybe you've always wanted uh, deeper friendships, but it's just never happened. In, in heaven, you're going to have the friendships and the relationships that you've always uh, dreamed of. Now, I don't know if you've noticed that uh, maybe down here you can see this, that there is a, uh, a dog bowl at the uh, foot of the uh, table here. It's interesting, it's not a cat bowl. Um, you know, uh, just saying, uh, you know, cats will be there in, in heaven, in case you're wondering. I mean, we're going to have to have something to hunt, you know, in, in uh, heaven. That's not me. I heard that on Duck Dynasty, uh, Uncle Cy. Uh, I like cats. I have a cat. Uh, cats are cool. But, you know, it surprised me. I mean, how many people submitted this question, and they wanted to know, you know, are there going to be animals in, in heaven? And I think there will be. I mean, in Genesis, God created the perfect environment for human beings in the Garden of Eden, and he included animals, right? And so, you know, why wouldn't God, you know, include, also include animals in the perfect world of heaven? Romans chapter 8 teaches that God's going to restore all creation in heaven. In fact, several scriptures indicate that God will populate heaven with animals. Isaiah 65 says, the wolf and the lamb will feed together, and the lion will eat straw like the ox. They will neither Harm nor destroy on all my holy mountains, says the Lord. And so no more conflict among the animals. You know, if you want to leash up a lion as a, as a pet, you can do that. Revelation talks about horses in heaven. So I think there's every reason to believe that God's going to populate heaven with animals. But what people really want to know <laughs> is will Fluffy, you know, be there in heaven, right? Now, I can't say for sure but I don't see why not. I mean, God loves to lavish us with gifts. And God knows that, you know, some of you have a passion, a love, you know, for, for your pets. And I see no reason why that would have to end in heaven. I like the way that Joni Erickson answers this question. I'm just going to read this from her book. She says, if God brings our pets back to life, it wouldn't surprise me. It would be just like him. It'd be totally in keeping with his generous character, exorbitant, excessive, extravagant, in grace after grace. Of all the dazzling discoveries and ecstatic pleasures heaven will hold for us, the potential of seeing Scrappy, that's her pet dog, would be pure whimsy, utterly, joyfully, surprisingly superfluous. It wouldn't surprise me either if your pet is in heaven. All right, the next seat on the table is for my nephew. And uh, his name was, was Carter. Carter was uh, born with a severe genetic defect. In fact, they, they gave him a 30% chance of surviving birth and a 5% chance of surviving uh, one year. But uh, Carter always surpassed expectations, and uh, he passed away last year at the uh, age of 11. And uh, he was an amazing kid. You know, even though he, he never walked a step, he never spoke a word. Uh, he never ate food. He lived his life on a, on a feeding tube. He touched hundreds of people. He loved his family. He loved his, his parents and his, his siblings. And uh, he would communicate by, by waving his arms and, and by making sounds. And he had probably the most amazing funeral that I've ever attended. I think it was about 1,000 people that came through uh, to celebrate his life and support his, his, uh, his parents and, and siblings. And I want to sit down with Carter in heaven. I want to watch him eat some pizza, and I want to go for a walk with him. What would it be like for you to see maybe a loved one or a friend who has physical challenges, to be able to run and jump and laugh and, and dance in heaven? What will it be like for you to go on a hike with a friend who was always confined 
to a wheelchair? What will it be like for you to have a conversation with a relative who has uh, cerebral palsy and just listen to your relative speak as clearly as you always knew they could think? What will it be like to dance with a husband who no longer has arthritis or to have a meal and never even have to think about the word diabetes? That day's coming. You know, I, I think of Carter's parents, Bill and Gretchen, and some of you here who have known this kind of heartbreak because you have lost a child. I can't imagine a grief as, as, as overwhelming or more overwhelming than what some of you have experienced. Maybe for some of you, it was a miscarriage. What will it feel like for you to be reunited with your child one day in, in heaven? Here's another question that somebody asked. I thought this was an interesting question. What will be the best part of heaven? I gave that some thought. And, and for me, you know, as much as I'm looking forward to seeing friends and, and, and family and Bible heroes in, in uh, heaven, um, the, the, the best part of heaven for me will be seeing Jesus face to face. And this next seat over here goes to Jesus. Can you imagine can you imagine sitting down with, with Jesus, the one who spoke the universe into, ex, into existence and hearing him speak your name? Can you imagine, you know, his, looking at his hands, you know? Hands that, you know, healed the lame, hands that gave sight to the blind, nail-scarred hands, just giving you a big old bear hug. Can you imagine, I mean, the greatest teacher who ever lived answering every one of your questions in heaven. Can you imagine looking him in the eye and hearing him call you son or daughter. You know, in that moment, we're going to experience unconditional love and just incredible joy and overwhelming awe. That's the best part of heaven is, is Jesus. That's who I'm, you know, most homesick for. I remember many years ago when my dad got very sick with cancer. My dad was a very devoted follower of Jesus, but especially in the last few months of his life when he was bedridden, what brought him the most comfort was not what we're going to do in heaven or what it's going to look like in heaven, but what brought him comfort was knowing that Jesus would be in, in heaven. You know, near the end of my dad's life, one day he said a prayer. I wasn't there, but somebody else was there. And they wrote down the prayer he said about heaven, and they, uh, they stitched it into some cloth, and they framed it, and they gave it to me. What a nice gift. And it hangs in my office at home. And I just want to read a little bit of my dad's prayer. He says, Father God... Uh, when the time comes, take me with Jesus to be in heaven. Send your spirit to guide my spirit. Take me home to be with Jesus. I ask in, in Jesus' name. And uh, that's, what, that's what brought my dad comfort. And I think my dad was, was, was right. The best part of heaven is Jesus. I mean, you can take away everything else, okay? Everything else that we've, that we've talked about, I mean, if you stripped it all away and the only thing left in heaven was the presence of Jesus, it would still be the most awesome place in all the universe. Jesus is by far the best part of heaven. And then there's one more seat around that table and that seat is reserved for you. You know, I want everybody here to be in heaven, and I want you to sit down. I want to have dinner with you in heaven one day. See, the most important question today about heaven is are you going to be there? You know, sometimes when I talk to people, I'll be in a conversation in my office with somebody, and when I have an opening or, or feel led to, to ask this question, I'll say, you know, do you, you think you're going to heaven? 
And many times people hesitate and they say, hope so, you know, not sure, got my fingers crossed. And the reason is because they think you've got to earn your seat at the table. But going to heaven is not about trying really hard to be good enough. We'll never be good enough. We all fall short. And, and that's what Jesus is all about. I mean, that's why Jesus came. And that's why he died on a cross, to make a way for us to heaven because there was no other way. You know, I like the way Andy Stanley says it, good people don't go to heaven. Forgiven people do. And so it's, it's, it's not about trying really hard to be good. It's not about put, putting your name in a drawing and just, you know, hoping by the luck of the draw, you know, you win the lottery, you know, your name gets chosen. No, 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 no. It's about making a personal decision to accept the forgiveness that, G, that God offers you through the sacrifice of Jesus Christ. And, and look at what happens when you receive this gift of forgiveness. First John says that I write these things to you who believe in the name of the Son of God. Look at this. So that you may know that you have eternal life. God wants you, God wants every person here to have confidence about heaven. And that's going to make a huge impact in your life right now. It's going to change your emotions it's going to change your joy level right now. It's going to impact your peace right now. It's going to impact your relationships and your mission in life right now. And so if you'd like to talk to someone about your relationship with Jesus and what it means to, to put your trust in him and accept this free gift of forgiveness from God, you can you can uh, meet me at the resource table in the lobby. I'd, I'd, I'd love to help you. We would love to help you. And, and one day, I would love to sit with every person here around this table in heaven. But until we get there, uh, to help us prepare and look forward uh, to heaven, each weekend we share another meal here called the Lord's Supper or communion to remind us what Jesus did to make a way for us to heaven. The bread represents his body, the juice represents his blood, and, and if this is all new to you and you want to take a pass on it, that's fine, but our communion is open to everyone who believes in Jesus as the Son of God. Let's remember what Jesus did on the cross as we share this meal, and let's look forward to an even greater meal together in heaven. Let me pray for us, and then we'll share communion. God, thank you for your word that uh, provides beautiful descriptions of heaven. Thank you for providing answers to many of our questions. But God, I pray that <clears throat> we won't get caught up in the little questions. Instead, we'll think about the bigger question. Am I going there? Am I ready? And if we're not sure, I pray that we would open up our mind and our heart to receiving this free gift God, give us the courage today to take our next step toward Jesus. And for those of us that, that have received this gift and, and we would answer yes, I pray that we will celebrate and thank you for, for your amazing grace every day. I, I pray that we will allow heaven to impact our, our emotions and our lives right now and we will make it our mission to reach out and help others receive this amazing gift too. Pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.